getting sober can feel really hard. And even after you start to feel better, you might wonder what's next. Is it all worth it? Why don't we have more stories out there about what people look like when they're living their best lives sober, when they're dealing with life's ups and downs and doing it all without numbing out? On this podcast, you'll hear those stories. This is Sober in the Sunshine. Oh, hey, everybody. It's Jessica. Welcome back to Sober in the Sunshine. At the end of my interview with Carol last week, I said that I'm going to be doing some shorter in-between episodes, and this is the first one of those, and I am glad that you're here with me. We'll see how it goes, and feel free to send me feedback at any time. It's soberinthesunshine at gmail.com is my email address. I thought this week I would talk about um, some really important things to know in early sobriety, things that I learned in early sobriety, but as I was thinking about what I wanted to talk about, I realized that these things are actually really important kind of skills that I've picked up and ways of living that I've adopted um, that came from early recovery. Um, So I think that they also apply to later recovery. Um, I've talked about before the fact that I don't do AA. So I don't have like a prescribed program that I follow and I've kind of put together my own. I remember Dawn Nickel was, uh, she's the founder of She Recovers. She was being interviewed uh, at some point and I think on the bubble hour uh, and she talked about patchwork recovery. I feel like I have kind of a patchwork recovery. So I'm just going to share with you what some of the big patches look like and um, talk a little bit about early recovery and hopefully this will help some people out there who are either struggling with early recovery or kind of feeling lost in the process of figuring out whether or not to stop drinking. Um, Yeah, hopefully this will help somebody. So let's get into it. Um, I've shared before that I have been in therapy for a long time. I think I've been with my therapist for like 13 years. I don't see her super often, but, um, I go in phases of like going once a week and then like going every few months. Um, and I saw her a lot when I first quit drinking. And one of the things we talked about was how important it is to grieve the loss of drinking in your life. Um, that seemed kind of like, you know, like a luxury to me like oh gosh my life is so hard you know I have to like grieve the loss of alcohol but you know (laughs) all like self-flagellation aside it really is fucking hard to wrap your head around the idea of not having alcohol as a security blanket so you do have to grieve and when feelings come up um I've talked before about you know like feeling the feelings and how how hard that can be in sobriety but when feelings come up about quitting drinking about the fact that you are quitting drinking and the fact that you can't drink like a normie or you know that you can't just have two glasses of wine without becoming obsessed with having more um or even one glass of wine look at me talking about two glasses of wine as like the the minimum um feel those feelings like grieve that and it's probably going to be a bit like the grief process of of losing a loved one in that it's gonna take all different shapes it'll feel like anger some days it'll feel like like complete sadness some days and that part is really really important to get through um I went through that you know when I was in my year of experimentation before I quit for good um I went through you know just like sobbing some days and being so fucking pissed off that I 
that I couldn't just drink alcohol like a quote unquote normal person. At this point, I'm beyond that, but I, it was really, really important to get through those feelings. And I think that's an important question to ask yourself if you find yourself kind of like obsessing about alcohol, to ask whether or not you've like faced the fact that you're not a normie, that you're not like a person who can just take or leave alcohol, and whether or not you've like felt the big feelings that come with the fact that you're not. Um because if you're listening to this podcast, unless you happen to know me in real life, you probably are not a normie. Um, sorry if I'm the first person who's ever told you that. <laughs> um, I'm not laughing at you, I promise. It's just, it's really hard when you are first accepting that that truth. Um, I know it's really fucking hard and it totally sucks. And listen, I will tell you right now, I am so sorry that you're not a normie, but I am also so fucking happy for you that you're not because recovery is a chance in life to like basically start over and just kind of reinvent yourself like from well, rock bottom, I guess, but you don't even have to hit rock bottom to do it. Okay, guys, now I'm evangelizing sobriety. Let's get back on topic. Um, anyway, so yeah, it's important to grieve, I think. And it's also important uh, to know that it's okay to take breaks from your feelings. And the way that we used to do that was by drinking, right? Um, so how the hell do you do it when you don't have that option anymore? Um my main way of doing it was to play lots of Candy Crush and to listen to podcasts at the same time. So I would uh, go through the different variations of Candy Crush, Candy Crush, Candy Crush Soda. Uh, there are a couple other ones I'm sure you can Google. And I would listen to my favorite murder all the time. Um, I did that constantly in early sobriety and thankfully... There were a ton of episodes of MFM that I could catch up on because I hadn't uh, gotten on that bus right when the podcast started. So there were a ton of episodes for me to listen to. I highly recommend finding something that you want to binge watch or listen to to get out of your freaking head. Um, it's super important, too, because I, like a lot of times you'll have like that nagging voice in your head that says like, oh, I want to drink today. You know, like I... It, you know, I was reading on the online group that I belonged to the other day. Someone was saying that it was really hard for her to not drink that day because she just kept having this voice telling her, you know, you're going you're going to give in at some point. You're going to give in at some point. And you need to shut that voice the fuck up because that voice will just end up getting you in trouble. I promise. And it's hard to ignore it in the beginning. It totally is. So that's where the healthy numbing comes in. Go find something you want to binge watch, find something you want to listen to. The reason that I recommend playing a game and listening to a podcast at the same time is that you cannot possibly listen to that silly voice in your head if your brain is busy in two different ways at once. Um, so I found I just needed to kind of like drown it out that way. Other people I know just kind of like numb out in front of the TV and that's fine if that's what you need to do. I like to call this like healthy numbing because I feel like we need this, you know, like we need a way to be able to escape. Like you need to be able to escape the reality of how huge it is to quit drinking or to take a break from drinking. So escape that way. I know a lot of people like to eat a lot of sugar too. Um, I, I did that and I still do. I, I eat more ice cream than I want to. It's a work in progress guys. But, um, 
but the way that I avoided eating like massive quantities of sugar is I would say, hey, if this is going to help me not drink today, absolutely, I will eat all the sugar in the world. But if I'm just doing this because I'm bored or, you know, I have big feelings that I don't want to deal with or something like that, then I would just kind of check in with myself and be like, do I really want to, you know, eat more chocolate covered almonds right now? I don't know. I don't really think so. Um, and that totally helped me keep down the um, insane eating. So I don't know. Those are just some some ways to numb when you can't numb with alcohol. Um, I also found that a great thing for me was the mantra, embrace the suck. And actually, Brene Brown's new book um, just came out, Dare to Lead. Um, as I'm recording this podcast, it came out like a week or two ago. And she says embrace the suck in it, which made me so happy. I certainly didn't invent the phrase. Um, I'm sure I got it on the online group that I'm part of. But um, yes, learn to embrace the suck because there is actually a relief that comes with just kind of surrendering to the fact that things are going to be hard for a while. And Carol talked about that um, in her interview last week. Um, you know, things are just hard in the beginning. And it's not that there aren't moments of beauty and moments of grace in early sobriety, because there certainly are. It's not like all absolutely hell all the time. No, that's not the way it is. But it it, it is hard you know, it's hard to just get through five minutes at a time sometimes when you really want to drink and you and you can't. I mean, not you obviously can, but you know what I mean. Um, so embrace the suck and just feel like, you know, it's okay. Like get a cozy blanket and curl up on the couch and just be like, hey, I'm going to treat myself like I'm sick right now because I am in a way. And, you know, I just found there to be a real comfort in embracing the suck. Um, I actually listened to a podcast this week. Uh, there's a new, um, a new podcast called Ted interview. I think it's called, um, you know, Ted talks, technology, entertainment design, that whole, like, that's a huge brand, but they just started doing interviews and their first interview was with Liz Gilbert. And I love her. She is just such an amazing, um, author and person to follow. And, um, her interview was really lovely. She talked about how, I mean, she talked a lot about creativity, which her book Big Magic is about, by the way, I highly recommend that book in general. But um, she also talked about the loss of her partner, um, Rhea Elias, and the fact that like embracing the suck, I don't think she used that term, that term, but um, that that is part of it, like that there's a comfort in leaning into misery and grief and pain. And, um, you know, it makes it sound overly dramatic when I'm analogizing the death of her partner to you quitting drinking or me quitting drinking. But um, like I said, it's a grief, right? It's a loss. And um, if you can embrace the suck and just be like, okay, this is miserable, but I'm going to get through it. It's so good, guys. It's such a good thing to do. And it really does bring comfort. Um I also wanted to talk about the fact that you kind of have to accept that things are going to feel a little weird and otherworldly for a while. Like I remember noticing these changes in my body that were just bizarre. Like, I mean, a lot of people will tell you in early sobriety, your sleep is going to be fucked up. So at first when you quit drinking, I know a lot of people like drink until they pass out, right? Or take a combination of like alcohol and Ambien or something like that. And 
So when you quit drinking, your sleep is like, what the fuck? I mean, your body is like, what the fuck? And your sleep is just totally kind of wrecked for a couple of weeks. A, l- a lot of people say that. Um, but if you can get through that, your sleep will be amazing. And I'm so sorry if you're one of those people for whom it is not amazing because I don't think it happens to that many people that, that it's not incredible. Um, but it's really wonderful. Um, but it is like, I, I can't even, I can't describe it. You you have to try it. You have to, you have to give yourself some time to not drink and try it. Um, so sleep will get better again, but in the beginning it can be really shitty. Um, and another thing that happens is that anxiety and depression might kind of like become really shitty for a while. Um, I've talked about anxiety a lot on this show. Um, so your anxiety is going to be exacerbated when you quit drinking, but it will go away. It will really, really go away, like in a way that is not possible when you drink. For years and years and years, I talked to my therapist about my terrible anxiety and I was medicated for, I mean, I'm still medicated for it, but I took all these different prescriptions and it just wouldn't get better and it wouldn't get better. And I never wanted to face the fact that alcohol was like Laura McCowan said in a recent blog post, like pouring gasoline on anxiety. And it really fucking is. So anxiety will flare up after you quit drinking, but it will get better. And depression, the same thing people have said. Um, So just kind of trust that process. Um, Embrace the suck if you can. Um, I also had this weird thing happen to me that um, I don't, I've kind of tried to figure out how to describe it because it's so strange. Um, For months and months, I think it happened like almost maybe past a year for me. I felt this weird disconnectedness with my body where I... I felt like like I was dissociated from my life um where I where I was like removed like a level removed and this is after sobriety um and it was so weird and just so uncomfortable and I couldn't figure out how to describe it to ask other people if they were going through the same thing and it was really kind of a lonely feeling in that way um and it's finally gone away. I, I'm 22 months sober now. And I think it went away maybe at like 14 months or so. Um, but it was really disturbing and weird. And I just came to accept that things like that were going to happen. And that they probably had to do with my brain healing. And that, you know, I was just going to kind of deal with it and get through it. And it's just all part of the process. In addition to embrace the suck, I like to say trust the process. And you really just have to trust that things are going to get better because they really, really will. Um, one last thing I wanted to leave you with um, is I think it's so important when you are really uncomfortable dealing with early sobriety or dealing with sobriety, you know, at, at difficult points to try new shit. Um, I remember doing such random stuff, you guys, like I remember taking my kids bubbles, you know, like just bubbles that you blow into the backyard and blowing them and picturing like my anxiety, like floating away inside a bubble because I was willing to try anything. This is in sobriety, not when I was drinking, but, um, I was willing to try anything to make myself feel better, to find new coping skills. And I think that willingness is really important. Um, and it 
to be honest, it helped, you know, it helped a little bit. And every little bit that helps is going to get you closer to long-term sobriety and to being just a happier person in the world. So try it. Um, in addition to my random bubble blowing, um, I recommend going to meetings, not necessarily AA meetings, although I think it's important for everyone to try AA meetings because they're so different everywhere. I mean, so different. I can't, I've been to a bunch of different ones all over the place, actually on the East coast here on the West coast where I live. And even the ones I've been to in my area are so different every single time I go, you know, so you got to try out a bunch of different ones. And you can also, if you are one of those people like me who is like, oh my God, I actually don't like socializing in sobriety. You can also do online meetings. Although I don't know if you will feel the same level of connection. You might. I feel the same level of connection when I interact with people on an online group. So I don't know why you wouldn't, I guess. Um, but there's a website called intherooms.com and they have all sorts of meetings. Um, I wanted to make sure that you guys know that in addition to AA out in the world, there's refuge recovery, which is where I go. It's Buddhist inspired recovery. We do group meditation and then sharing like AA meetings. Um, but there's also life ring where they, where people basically like talk about their weeks when they get together. There is smart recovery where they give you like real tools based on like cognitive behavioral therapy type stuff. Um, like real solid tools to use to work through the reasons you drank and the ways to avoid it in the future. Um, so let's see, there's uh, women for sobriety, which is like female empowerment. You need to, I think, call their uh, national office to find meetings though, because they don't post them online. Um, so life ring refuge, women for sobriety, smart recovery, AA, um, you guys, there are so many resources out there for meetings. So try them out. Oh, there's also uh, celebrate recovery, which is Christian based. Um, those are other meetings. So try them out and try out the online ones. If you don't want to go to ones in your area or you live somewhere remote, um, just start Googling and looking for shit. Basically, just get curious about getting sober because I find that when I get curious about stuff, it turns into a project. It turns into something fun rather than like, oh, fuck, this sucks. Um, so, yeah, guys, I hope that this episode was helpful. I hope it'll help at least one person. I'm sure it will help at least one person. So that makes it all worth it. Um, thank you for being here with me this week. Feel free to send me feedback at sober in the sunshine at Gmail, or if you want information on joining the, um, online sobriety group that I'm part of and Hey, hang in there. Okay. I will um, be back next week with an interview. All right, guys, take care. Bye.